Welcome to Abergavenny Baptist Church. Life, faith, together. The Bible reading is Acts chapter 3 and verses 1 to 16. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. While the man held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he said to them, Fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we have made this man walk? Then God, the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed, and you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the Holy and Righteous One and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you all can see. Well, there was once a guy who, who snuck into a church hoping no one would notice him. Uh, the reason he had gone was because he was keen on a girl who was singing in the choir, and he was hoping to ask her out on a date at the end of the service. And so not really knowing what to do, he noticed other people walking in and sitting down, so he did the same. Just before the service started, an usher came up to him and said, Excuse me. But the person who was going to be doing the Bible reading hasn't turned up. Would you be able to do the Bible reading? He was naturally terrified at the prospect, but then he thought, she's here, she's in the choir, she would be really impressed if she saw me doing the Bible reading in the service. And so he agreed and took the Bible. And then the moment came. He went up to the front, he opened up the Bible, and he started to read. It was from John's Gospel. The man who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, he heard his own voice saying, but climbs in some other way, is a thief and a robber. He was thunderstruck as suddenly he realized this is exactly what he had done. He was standing there pretending to be a regular Bible reader. But he was only there because he wanted to see a girl. He forced himself to continue feeling his heart pounding. I am the gate for the sheep, Jesus said. 
The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Suddenly something happened inside this young guy. No longer was he thinking about himself. No longer was he thinking about the girl or or the congregation or the fact that he'd just done this ridiculous, hypocritical thing. Rather, he was thinking about Jesus. And he swung around to the the minister who was leading the service, and, and he said, is it true Does Jesus come to bring life and and life to the full? The minister, who was quite unfazed by this non-liturgical outburst, smiled. Of course it is, he said. That's why we're all here. Come and join in on the next song and see what happens when you really mean it. On that day, that young man was swept off his feet by the presence and the love of Jesus filling him, changing him, and calling him to follow Jesus. He got more, much more than he had bargained for. And in a very similar way, this this disabled man in our story in Acts chapter 3 got way more than he bargained for. He had gone to the temple hoping to get some money. But instead, he had a very profound and powerful encounter with the living God. And we read in in Acts chapter 3 and verse 1 to 2. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at, at 3 in the afternoon. Now, a man crippled from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. And so this guy has been crippled ever since birth. And in Acts chapter 4 and verse 22, we discover that he was over 40 years old. So for over 40 years, he had been a cripple. Then every day, he would be carried, presumably by friends and relatives, to a gate at the eastern side of the temple called Beautiful. This temple gate was the gate that led from the outer Gentile court into the first of the inner courts in the temple. And according to Josephus, who is a first century Jewish historian, he uh, he describes this gate as greatly exceeding those that were only covered over with silver and gold. Better than those that were only covered in silver and gold. So this is one impressive gate, and this is the strategic position that this beggar decides to sit Can you imagine the contrast between this magnificent gate and this poor, crippled beggar? And this is a strategic position, a great place to beg from, because many people will be rushing past you to get into the temple for the time of prayer, and and people on their way to worship are less likely to ignore a beggar. And we're told that he was placed there every day. We then read in verses 3 to 5, when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him as did John. 
Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Now let me tell you, so if I was John, and if I was on the way to the temple with Peter, I would have warned Peter. I would have said to Peter, whatever you do, don't look at the beggar. Okay, I've grown up in South Africa, there are a lot of beggars, and you soon learn never to look at the beggar, because as soon as you look at him, he's got you suckered. Before you know it, you're going to be giving him all your money, especially if you're on your way to church. So I would have been saying, hey, Pete, whatever you do, don't look at the beggar. Pete, don't look at the beggar. Pete, Pete, you're looking at the beggar. Stop looking at the... No, Pete, don't say that. Don't say... We don't want him to look at us. Oh, Pete, now he's looking at us. Now we're going to have to give him some money. And then to make matters worse, Peter says in verse 6, Silver or gold I do not have, but what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. I would have been like, whoa, 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 Pete, none of this uh, silver and gold we don't have. You're going to make a fool of us in front of all these people. Try to heal someone in front of the temple? Whoa, no, 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 look, look. Slow down with this. It's embarrassing enough being a Galilean and speaking with a funny accent. The last thing I want to be, uh, be is the laughingstock of Jerusalem trying to perform a miracle in front of all these people. Look, he has five pounds. Just give him five pounds and let's go into the temple. That's how I would have reacted. But that's not how Peter and John act. They look straight at him. They have a personal encounter with him. They don't care what other people think of them. They don't care if they make a fool of themselves because they're filled with the Holy Spirit. And they have absolute confidence that God can heal and that on this occasion, God would heal this beggar. And so they simply say, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Verse 7 to 8, taking him by the right hand, he, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet. Don't you love that? He doesn't crawl. He jumps to his feet. And, and began to walk, and he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. Can you just imagine that scene? A 40-year-old crippled beggar walking, jumping, and praising God. You see, God is still in the business of healing people miraculously today. But in order for that to happen, we need to overcome our inhibitions and our fears. Our fear of what other people will think of us. Our fear of failure and embarrassment. We need to step out in faith. Trusting in, in the power and the name of Jesus to heal people. Now that doesn't mean that God will always heal everyone. But nor does it mean that God won't heal anyone. We need a balance. We need to know that God is able to heal. And sometimes, not always, but sometimes he does heal people miraculously. And sometimes he doesn't. Why does God sometimes heal people miraculously? 
Well, I'm going to make three suggestions. Firstly, to fill us with wonder and amazement. In verses 9 to 10, we read, When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Filled with wonder and amazement. Sometimes God heals people miraculously simply to fill us with wonder and amazement, for us to marvel at how powerful and awesome our God is. You see, when people experience a miracle, it encourages everyone. Do you need to be filled with more wonder and amazement? I sure do. Secondly, to give us an opportunity to share the gospel. We read in verse 11 to 12, while the beggar held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, when he, when he saw this opportunity, he said to them, now we don't have enough time today to go through everything that he said to them on that occasion, but when he saw this, when this, uh, from this healing, this event gave him the opportunity to, to explain to them what had happened. This event, uh, Peter believed this event, this healing needed to be explained. And essentially what he says is, stop looking at me. It wasn't me. I didn't heal him. Jesus did. And we see this in verse 16. Peter says, by faith in the name, the name means the presence and the power in the name of Jesus. This man whom you see and know was made strong. It wasn't me, it was Jesus. And this gives him a further opportunity to share the good news about Jesus. And we read in verse 19, he says, repent then. And turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. And this is the good news. This is the good news, that because of Jesus' death on the cross and his resurrection, when we turn to God, God doesn't only forgive us, but he wipes out our sins. He, he removes our sins. He blots them out. He remembers them no more. So we can experience times of refreshing. And by God's Holy Spirit, we are renewed and restored and, and recreated in His image. One of the reasons why God sometimes heals people miraculously today is simply to give us an opportunity to share the good news of Jesus. Living in a Western Postmodern society that is extremely highly rational and materialistic and secular on one hand, but also very skeptical and suspicious of any claims to absolute truth on the other hand, means that our rational arguments, our evangelism, and our apologetics can only take us so far. 
Ultimately, what is needed is a demonstration of the Spirit's power to break this rational mindset, this skeptical and secular mindset, this materialistic mindset, and open the door so we can share the good news of Jesus. You see, when someone has experienced the healing, there's a new openness to the things of God. Thirdly, it's to give us a foretaste of the new earth and heaven. We continue reading in verse 19 all the way to verse 21. That times of refreshing may come from the Lord, and that he may send the Messiah whom has been appointed for you, even Jesus. He must remain in heaven until the time comes for God to restore everything. So at the moment, we are experiencing times of refreshing, new life in Jesus. But this is just a foretaste, a sign of better things to come, a sign of when Jesus returns. For when Jesus returns, he will make everything new. He will restore everything. There will be universal restoration, complete healing. And so miracles and healings are not an end in themselves. They are a sign of greater things to come. So when Jesus, for example, when Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead, that was a sign that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. And that through faith in Jesus, we can experience resurrected life, eternal life. What did Lazarus get out of the miracle? A couple more years of paying taxes, and then there we go again. You see, miracles are a sign for what we will ultimately receive on the new earth and the new heaven. And so this healing of this disabled beggar was a sign that when Jesus returns, there will be complete healing for those who have faith in Jesus, physical, emotional, and spiritual. Take note that this crippled beggar was sitting outside of the temple gate before he was healed. Probably because he was not allowed in the temple because he was a cripple. In that culture, if you were disabled... That was considered to be a punishment from God. And so you would be ostracized. But after the healing, we read in verse 8, he jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. Complete healing, physical, emotional, and spiritual. And so this healing was a sign that when Jesus returns on the new earth and on the new heaven, those who have put their faith in Jesus will experience this complete healing and they will dwell in that intimate presence of God for all eternity. That's what John is talking about in Revelation chapter 21 and verses 1 to 5. He says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. 
and they will be His people, and God Himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. And even the the prophet Isaiah gets a glimpse of this in Isaiah chapter 35 and verses 5 to 6. Then will the eyes of the blind be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then will the lame leap like a deer and the mute tongue shout for joy. This is the great hope we have. This is what we're looking forward to. And, And miracles and healings are a sign of greater things still to come. And so we, like John and Peter, have something to offer the world that is better than silver and gold. We have this new life to offer. Complete healing, spiritual, physical, and emotional. New life. Life and life to the full. Eternal life. But the question is, are you prepared to step out in faith and offer people this new life in Jesus? Are you prepared to be bold enough to pray for healing for other people? And it doesn't have to be some dramatic event, and you don't have to be some super spiritual apostle like Peter or John. Everyone can do this. You can do this. The next time you're chatting to a friend and you ask them how they're doing and they, and they share that they're feeling unwell or they've got a problem, simply ask if you can pray for them. Perhaps say, well, at, at, at the church I go to, we believe that God heals people today through modern medicine. But we also believe that God sometimes, not always, but sometimes heals people miraculously. So can I please pray for you? And then pray for them. And it doesn't have to be some big theological prayer. Simply pray. Dear God, please heal my friend. In the name of Jesus. Amen. And then ask them how they feel. Or perhaps the next time you meet them, ask them how they feel. And if they say they're still feeling unwell, then offer to pray for them again. But you might be amazed to hear that they've been healed. And then you have this incredible opportunity to witness to them by simply reminding reminding them that you prayed for them and that God has healed them. And then perhaps you could invite them to church and say, come to church and to find out more about Jesus. You see, we can all do this. You can do this. We can all be filled with wonder and amazement. So are you prepared to step out in faith and offer people this new life in Jesus? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you choose to work through us. 
that you are still a God who heals people and does amazing things. Father, won't you fill us with that wonder and amazement so that we can marvel at how powerful and awesome you are. Help us to see you who you really are. Dear Father, we confess that so often we are held back by our own inhibitions. Our fear of what others would think, our fear of failure and embarrassment. Father, we pray that right now by your Holy Spirit, you would give us boldness and confidence so we may step out in faith and trust you to do the impossible in people's lives. Won't you give us the boldness? And then, Father, won't you work through us so we can make a difference in people's lives? We ask this all in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for watching. For more information, please visit our website at abergavennybaptist.co.uk.